This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline. And before Mr. Kelly slips out to get back to the world of news, uh, do you believe this bridge can actually be slid? Yeah, I mean, because if you look at it with the the girders that are under it, it right. kind of is a road that's just set on the piers, and so if you raise those the road a little bit off the piers and put some Teflon or something you, in well, there, you, yeah, you, well, you so put like slide? rollers in there or ah. something, you know. But yeah, I think it, I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, so do I. I would love. I hopefully they're video camming oh, yeah. this thing. Oh yeah, so it's a TV can... show, so there'll be a lot of TV cameras. <laughs> yeah, it is, I think it's pretty fascinating. Well, you know, like they used to move. What was it? Oh, well, the stadium in Hawaii, or was it? No, okay, stadium in Hawaii. They use fans to move. They they blow air underneath the grandstand. Mean fans like people? No, no, but they use and then it raises it up just enough that actually the players on the football team can move. These stands that are what, a couple hundred feet high, and there are two levels of seats. And in Denver, they used to use water to create the fric the, to release the friction, so that they could move the stands at Mile High Stadium around. So there's all kinds of ways to move these really heavy uh, objects. That it's it's crazy. So here they they lift it up a little bit, they put something in there, and there they go. Well, one other thing related to this: you live in Illinois, correct? Yes. So do you take 64 usually east? Yeah, usually. So how are you going to go? I'll go 55. Oh. I'll go 55 to 255 and across the JB. Oh, I see. It, it's maybe a little longer, but not much. Okay. Then I avoid the trains in Sauget because that's why I get stuck in Sauget all the time. <laughs> really, it's the trains. I'm telling you. It's uh, the trains. <laughs> well, thanks for your insight. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> Folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but uh, right now you can call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty, and you can get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. And thanks for having me on your show. And we can talk about plant selection, the cares for, the ups and downs of the annuals. I was, I've been looking. You know, I have pansies. I like pansies a lot, but I also like a pansy cousin, which is the violas, which are kind of just smaller versions of the pansy flowers. I haven't been able to find any violas. So I don't know, you know, I, I just like them because they just look a little bit different. And how about the bulbs? We've ta- I've talked about the bulbs in my yard, and the gentleman called Ed, and he said, you know, he put his bulbs in smaller pots, and they all turned to mush because of the cold weather. Edibles, your, co- you know, your cool-season vegetables, your ground covers, your house plants. I did. I have some kaffir lilies, which Clivia, C-L-I-V-I-A. Clivia is, is a botanical name, kaffir lily. They, you know, bloom virtually. A couple of them already bloomed, but I had them in the basement underneath grow lights. But I like to get them outside. So I moved them outside last Wednesday. And consequently, then 
Tracy kind of updated me on the weather forecast. I thought, hmm. So I have left my clivias. They came out from the warmness of the nice basement and grow lights. They're in the garage now. But I did put them in front of windows, so they should be fine. But don't move any of your houseplants outside at all because it could be problematic. If you can leave them in the garage, that would be great. How about your lawn, your perennials? You got any kind of perennials that bloomed in the fall, get rid of all that debris. Your roses. I've got those four knockout roses that I'm growing in pots. And finally, the other day, I cleaned up the last of the debris of the leaves. You want to make sure that you don't have a whole lot of last year's leaf debris around your plants because potentially it could be you know, trouble from a fungus, you know, fungus standpoint. Trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts. But please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is strictly, or it is not, strictly the only garden path to take. Greg is here again producing, and I greatly appreciate all the extra effort that he does beyond the production of the Garden Hotline. He really helps me out with several different things. And uh, during the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, which is when I come to your home, we do some problem solving, whether aesthetics or actually problems. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and there's an email, which is probably the best way, or a phone number is listed so you can contact me, and I'll come over to your home. And we can share, I'll share my experience, and we'll get some of the things solved. Now, the tip of the trial, which is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial today goes out to, actually, this is not technically related to plant material, but because it is, you know, in an area where there are all kinds of plant materials, the Webster Groves Gastro Tour. So this is a walking tour. This is going to be next weekend in Webster Groves. And what it is is you go from restaurant to restaurant, and you get to sample some few things, and you get to wander around in Webster Groves as well. If you're interested in this, you can go to stlculinarytours.com for tickets. So, again, it's in Webster Groves Gastro, G-A-S-T-R-O, tour. That's going to be next Saturday on the 7th. And then the Metropolitan St. Louis African Violet Council presents the 63rd annual African Violet Show. So I was five years old when they did the first African Violet Show. And this one's called Violets Go to the Movies. Wow. That's... (laughs) (laughs) That seems pretty darn wild. It's going to be at the Missouri Botanical Garden, which is on Shaw Boulevard. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday, April 14th and 15th. And it's 9 to 5. So it's really just kind of a great thing. And the admission to the African Violet Show is included with a garden admission. So that's, you know, that's kind of a neat thing. And you think African Violets, oh, those are just for, you know, that's what my grandmother had or anything else. There are some that are just spectacularly huge and everything else. So it's a, just a, a neat house plant that you can have in your house that, you know, and they're going to have them for sale too, that you can just have something in bloom in your house all winter long. So the African Violet Show, that's going to be Violets Go to the Movies. That's going to be Saturday and Sunday, April 14th and 15th. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. A little sidebar related to Greg. Greg is a roller derby player, so he actually has a roller derby team shirt on today. So he played for the hooligans. <laughs> so it goes to show you, I mean, the diversity of the people here at KMOX is just beyond reality. Here he is perfect in production and every, you know, the other parts of this, this company's aspect, and he plays roller derby as well. Well, let's go, oh, let's go to Bob in South County. Bob, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm putting in a new fescue lawn uh, in May. And I want to uh, step by step how to put it in, so I'm not, you know, putting out a bunch of money and then two years later it's messed up. <laughs> I'm going to hang up and listen to you on the radio. Okay. If I if I was going to oversee with any kind of fescue, first of all, make sure it's a blend. It's not just one variety of fescue. So that's just you know that can't ha- you know you always want to blend because of the goofiness of our weather. What I would do is first of all I would get a soil test done. And I would find out that will tell you exactly what's in your soil. So chemically, it's going to tell you the chemistry of your soil as well as the nutrients, micronutrients that are there as well. That's going to help you for the long term. And then what I would do is have core aeration done. So and that's somebody comes out with this core aerator. And what it does is takes kind of like wine bottle corks up out of the ground. Then after core aeration, I'd spread about a, any place between a quarter to a half inch of compost on the surface. I would do that right before I do the seeding. Then I'd put the seed down. Then I'd put a seed starter fertilizer and then just follow the instructions related to rainfall and watering and everything else. And no, probably for the first two weeks or so, you should probably water just about every day just to keep everything kind of intact. And make sure that you have not put any kind of pre-emergent down at all because it can impact your grass seed. Make sure that once your grass seed goes down that you don't spread any kind of broadleaf weed killer either. In theory, it shouldn't hurt lawns because lawn is a narrow blade. But an herbicide on newly germinated any kind of seed at all can have a you know, detrimental impact. So that's what I do. Get the soil test done for sure. Find out what's going on first and then kind of go from there. So good luck with that. And now let's go to Linda, and Linda is in Oakville. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. And happy Easter. Same to you. Um, I heard you saying, thank you, I heard you saying that you couldn't find any violas or however they're pronounced. Yeah. And I actually went to Walmart looking for uh, pansies, and they had pots of yellow and purple ones because they're the little ones, right? Right, exactly. Littler kind of, yeah, they have them at Walmart. Oh, really? I'll have to give that yeah. some thought. Well, thanks yeah, a lot. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks, Linda. And, yeah, the violas, you know, I like the pansies because pansy flowers are any place between, let's say, an inch and a half to two inches in diameter. But the violas are just kind of like fringe. So I put those on the edge of, you know, certain pots or things like that. And I like to mix the violas in with let's say the bulbs that are coming up, just add a little color. So the bulb flower is, you know, six or eight inches above, and then I've used the violas below. I could use pansies. It's just kind of a habit I got into with the violas. So thanks very much, Linda. I greatly appreciate it. Now let's go to Bob, and this Bob is in St. Charles. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, No reflection on the product you were just talking about earlier, but I have four ash trees in my yard. 
Um, and, of course, he's concerned about the ash borer. Right. And last spring, we had a tree service come out and thin out our four trees. And uh, I was talking to him about the ash borer. And he said, what I should do is take a bottle of liquid Dawn and uh, mix it with two parts of water, one part Dawn, and then spray it on the trunk of the tree up to where the first branch comes out. I did that. And about a week later, I had a bunch of little bitty yellow, looked like eggs, on the outside of the tree. And I've never had any problem with the ash borer killing the tree. My neighbors have all had trees cut down because of the ash borer. So I'm wondering if you've ever heard of this uh, method, why it works. No, you know, because the emerald ash borer has been problematic from the standpoint that usually, almost always, it wasn't detectable because it normally bores attack the lower part of the tree. But the emerald ash borer attacks higher up into the tree. So people can't see the frass or anything else as a result of the borers going in. So my guess is probably you were seeing frass maybe from a regular type of borer versus the emerald ash borer. So if you were seeing these little, like, kind of yellowish things just stuck to the trunk, you know, without seeing it, I can't guess what it is. But my guess is maybe you did have borers in there and the frass from them chewing in there you know, the sawdust, more or less, is, you know, what you were seeing. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. So the emerald ash borer, the reason why it devastated all the ashes in Michigan and northern Illinois and everything else is because people didn't know what was going on because they were attacking higher up in the tree. The normal borer is going to attack in the lower part of the trunk, like where the guy said to spray, you know, the Dawn liquid or whatever it was. Yeah. So. Okay. But, you know, thanks for the insight, Bob. I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, to me, you know, nothing against the gentleman that told you this, the tree service or anything else. But if you put, let's say, a liquid, let's say, dishwashing, you know, fluid on your tree trunk, if it rains, it's just going to wash it off. I don't understand what that actually is going to do. So, you know, that's just my stupidity, I guess. Okay. Happy Easter to you. You Same to you. Thanks, Bob. And now let's go out to Chesterfield, or come back in from St. Charles, and go into Holly's yard. Hi, Holly. Hi. Hey, I'm a first-time caller, uh, but I've listened to you for years. Um, I have two problems. I have 15 hollies in my yard. Uh, They're 18 years old, and they have a lot of browning. Uh, I fertilize them. uh, I water them all the time. Uh, I put pine bark mulch down, but they are areas that are browning out, and all 15 of them are doing the same thing. Now, let me ask you a question here. You have 18 or 15 holly bushes, and your name is Holly? Is, <laughs> is this a holly tree that's actually calling? This is yes. a, Now I know why you're a first-time caller, because you're actually a holly tree calling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this doesn't make This is crazy. Yeah, right. Finally, yeah. I get a, tr- a plant that calls the show. I appreciate that. <laughs> My guess that. is, you know, with your hollies, all the broadleaf evergreens, holly, magnolias, azaleas, all of them basically had some major winter damage in January because of that cold spell that we had. So my thought is, or my thinking is, that it was related to what the weather was in January. 
So the, the leaves that are turning brown are ultimately going to fall off. If you want to prune them a little bit, you know, you can do that. If you want to wait until just let everything fall where it will and land and do the regular fertilizing that you've been doing because you've been keeping them alive and apparently healthy and just wait till next year to see, you know, while all the growth of this year would happen, wait till next year before you did any pruning to them. Okay. Uh, my second question is then, I have five knockout roses. Uh, they're eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pretty leggy, but I prune them uh, on a regular basis. Right. Uh, I fertilize them, but, but they are looking sick. Like I've cut more dead stuff off because I, I prune them in the uh, spring, well, just like yesterday I did right. it, uh, because of all the dead growth. Sure. Uh, but they're they're just not looking right. I mean, it, is it time to pull those things out and plant some new ones? Eight years doesn't seem like it. It seems fairly young. If they were 15 years old, I might say yes, or if they were 10-plus years. Uh, right now, are you seeing any new growth coming off? Yes, I am. So I think probably everything's fine. You know how wild and crazy they get, so just... A lot of the new growth or a lot of the growth from previous years, it's just not, it doesn't make it through the wintertime. So that's probably what you're seeing. But if you're seeing the new growth and it looks healthy and it's got that red color just like, you know, roses are, you start fertilizing your roses when the growth, the new growth is about two inches long and use a rose food. But other than that, if you were happy with how they produced last year, the number of flowers and everything else, and I would say there's probably nothing wrong with them. Okay, and pine bark mulch is is what I put on my hollies. Is that is that good? Yeah, because it's acidic. Okay. So uh, anything you know, along those lines, and if you're a little bit, you know, if you want to take a soil test just to find out what the pH is, so you can make sure that it is acidic, then I would certainly do that for thirty dollars with all the hollies that you have, Holly. That yeah. uh, then I would certainly get a soil test done. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm worried about. Uh, because there are so many of them, and I, I, I'm pretty prolific with taking care of my plants in the yard, and it just kind of concerns me because it would be awfully expensive to replace all those. You aren't plants. kidding. Yeah. So, Okay, well, thank you very much. I enjoy your show. I listen to you every Saturday morning. Well, thanks. And uh-huh. my first call from a holly tree. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> You'll remember that for a while, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Your concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go to North County and go into Wayne's yard. Wayne, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Uh, Thank you for letting me call this morning. Sure. Um, I have a question about Roses of Sharon. I need to trim back a couple more and i was just wondering is it getting too late in the season to do that no you know they're summer bloomers so i mean we just spring just happened a few days ago even if they're starting to produce some new growth i wouldn't be overly concerned with it so go ahead and do the pruning that you need to do okay great one more thing on the roses of sharon the little I don't know what they call it the jacket of the rose you know uh, that holds them whenever they first come into life and then they open up why does that stay on so long and does that keep the uh new growth from starting properly no i'm assuming you're talking about the flower buds 
Yes. So, no, that's, you know, that has nothing to do with it. The bud will stay and then they will drop on, you know, just to the ground. A little story about me as a kid uh, on Flat Avenue before my parents moved to Ellisville, they had, you know, my parents and grandparents lived in the same house. It was a duplex. And there was a Rosa Sharon in the front yard, and I would notice as a kid all these round-looking things on the on the ground, and they were like cigarettes. I thought, is this how cigarettes are made? You know, I was in kindergarten, so I didn't know. But no, that really doesn't have anything to do with it. And those little kind of the stems where the flower has fallen, that's, you know, that's a sepal. That has nothing to do, no impact on the, you know, next flower generation or anything else of that season. Okay, well, it's not the it's not the bud itself. It's right. what is in the the surrounding part of the bud. Right, which is called I mean, a, it's still on there from last season. Right, that's called a sepal, and that's just it has nothing to do with anything really. I mean, that's okay. just. I mean, it just looks nasty. <laughs> I have to agree; they don't look very pleasant. So you can prune them all off if you want to, or you know, they will ultimately fall off. Okay. I, I just thought maybe it might inhibit the growth of the next buds coming through. No, it doesn't have any. Down. No, it won't impact them whatsoever. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Randy in Sunset Hills. Randy, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Michael? Very good. I have a question for you. I'm going to be planting hybrid tea roses in large planters. They're about two and a half feet in diameter. I'm wondering, can I add any ground cover or maybe like wave petunias around the base of them in order to fill it in? Uh, the, the only problem with that would be with hybrid teas or, you know, floribund is those, let's say, grafted fancy schmancy roses. Air circulation is crucial. Now, if these, let's say, these annuals that you're putting in, you know, kind of create a circumstance where they're starting to get up over the graft or, you know, things like that, then the air circulation around the rose just in general may be, let's say, lessened or reduced, and that could lead to, let's say, black spot and other fungus problems. So that would be my only concern because usually and historically the rose beds have been kept pretty much clean of anything except mulch. So you could try it and see what you think, but uh, it's just something that, uh, let's say, the rose professionals just don't do. I think I'll stick with the mulch. <laughs> If yeah, you know, what you could do is if the are are these raised beds? Is that what you said, or maybe I misunderstood? Uh, they're in the large containers, large pots. Okay, so yeah, I wouldn't you know in that if that's definitely the situation they're going in pots. I would say no, don't put anything at the base. All right, very good. Thank you so much. Sure, and if you want some color from you know some of the annuals, just put them in a separate pot. You can set them close by, but don't put them in the same pot with them. Now let's go to Tom, and Tom's in Jerseyville. Tom, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, sir. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've been trying to encourage zoysia in my yard, and I had a real good stand, um, full sun. And last year I noticed some other grass, regular grass, coming up through that. And this year I'm starting to get it again. Uh, is there any kind of fertilizer? Is it just that it's an old stand and dying out, or what do you think is going on there? Uh, probably what it is is the grass is coming up now. Obviously, you notice it because it's very green right. as opposed to the tannus of the zoysia. My guess is it's probably annual bluegrass seed. They just got into the zoysia, and it's able to actually get a foothold in there. When the weather really starts warming up and the zoysia starts getting green, 
I'm thinking that this is probably just going to sort of disappear, but it's still okay. going to be coming back on a regular basis. There's not really too much you can do as far as control-wise. What you could do is you could go out there, if you're patient and there's not too much of it, use an herbicide and just like a grass killer or Roundup or something like that and step on these areas that are green, so in other words, the green grass blades, and then paint some herbicide right on the green blades. And I'm, I'm saying paint because that way you don't have to worry about any kind of drift or spray onto your zoysia. Okay. Uh, also, when should I be looking for tiger lilies to break the ground? Um, I've got some that are already breaking. So tiger lilies, are you okay. saying like traditional type lilies or are you saying day lilies? Well, no, they're, they're tiger lilies, okay. orange with a stripes on them. Right. So my, I've got some that are, are breaking the ground now. They're about an inch and a half to two inches. But I've got other, you know, I've got three different plots of them. And the other two are not showing any growth at all. So, you know, my guess is it's probably exposure. So I would probably wouldn't get too anxious. But I'm assuming you're, you know, you know what the weather's going to be like. So the colder the weather, it, that kind of suppresses some of the things. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your show. Sure. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And Chris lives in South City. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I have a red bud, and it's about 16 years old, and it's re- pretty good size. But the last two summers, just about exactly half of the tree has started dropping its leaves in the summer and continues to drop them all summer long, and by the end of the summer, no leaves on the half of that tree. Ooh. So uh, is the tree savable, or is it starting to die out? Or Well, that's not a good sign because the tree needs to have all the leaves possible because the nutrients and moisture come up through the trunk, through the root system and everything else. Then it goes out into the leaves, and the leaves then make food to keep the tree healthy. And that food, that chlorophyll, is, you know, shared with the rest of the tree. So if, if it's defoliating half the tree or however, you know, percentage-wise how much it is, that's a great, you know, drop in the amount of leaves. So the overall health of the tree may be going down. Now, is this like a multi-trunked one or is this a single-trunked one? It's a single-trunked one. Uh, it does, it, it has about uh, maybe like four to five main offshoots of the trunk. Okay. And you can see there's like some splitting in that going on in the bark. Well, the you know natural splitting, that's just probably the bark's expanding in diameter. But unless you can actually see, you know, past, let's say, the, the bark, the surface, and you're actually seeing lighter color heartwood in the center of this split, then this is just a natural occurrence. But, okay. uh, you know, my guess is, you know, why this particular, you know, situation is happening, it's just going to kind of show that the, the tree may be headed on a downhill slide. It may be fine. It may stabilize. But uh, unless there's, you know, been some physical damage, like, uh, let's say, a trash truck hitting it or something like that that was going down the street or who knows what, then I would say, I would, you know, there's not going to really be too much to do unless you want to, I wouldn't bother trying to just cut that branch off or that part of the trunk or anything else. Uh, anything like deep fertilizing or anything? Uh, that's not going to really... If, if I would do anything, I'd do something called deep root feeding, where you auger holes, and then you're going to fill those holes back up with compost. What you're doing is you're feeding the soil, then the soil will feed the redbud tree. Now, one thing, the redbuds do not like a wet soil. Now, is this you know a situation where... Suddenly, there's a lot of water sitting around it, or anything along that line. No, I mean, 
run the sprinkler system about every other day for the lawn, but um, this where the tree is, it drains really well. Okay. So then, you know, it's just probably for whatever reason, it's just like, you know, certain dogs, certain people, certain this live much longer and stay healthier for their whole life. This is just probably a circumstance where this is just not going to happen with this tree. I wouldn't necessarily cut anything off. Just leave it alone. If, you know, in the next year, if this year it happens again, then I'd really, you know, have somebody maybe come out and take a look at it. Yeah, I did notice the buds. On this half of the tree, there are buds, but not nearly as many as on the good half of the tree. Right, exactly. Okay. So, so your option is to cut that off because you're sick of it or just wait for one more year, and then if it doesn't perform well this year, then cut it off as we're going into, let's say, fall slash winter. Yeah, unfortunately, if I cut it off, it's half the tree. Right, exactly. <laughs> It'll look really weird. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly, yeah. It's a t- you know, it's a tough call. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got a few minutes left of the Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. At 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards, 1110 Amron Total Access pregame show with Tom Ackerman. Then at 12.10, the St. Louis Cardinals versus the New York Mets at City Field in New York. So all kinds of cool stuff coming up. Let's go to Sandra's yard, and that happens to be in Maryland Heights. Hi, Sandra. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Thank you so much for your program and also your listeners' comments. I'm a, I'm a Texas transplant and uh, with a love of gardening from my mother. And I have three comments. One, first of all, the violas, are they called Johnny Jump Ups also? Yes. Okay, because uh, that's a terminology we use down there. And when I lived in Germany, I think they, the Germans call them little stepmothers. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, and then I wanted to ask you about larkspurs. Um, because that was another favorite plant of my mother. And I wanted to know, she used to just let them go to seed and just leave the stalks and everything sure. in the flower bed. Um, are they available in gardening centers here? They don't do all that well here. So you might find them, but they're not really reliable. So that's, you know, that's one of the, one of the ones that... Yeah, you can see them. They'll be for sale, and there could be people that, you know, say, I've had great luck with them. But overall, they're just not, let's say, as spectacular as you see them in areas where they fit in really well with the environment and the climate and everything else. Okay, because the last issue, the latest issue of Better Homes and Gardens, um, you know, it prom- promotes them sort of as a poor man's delphinium. Right. Um, and then the last question I had uh, was about balsam. Now, I've planted balsam before up here, but, again, that doesn't seem to be something you see in gardening centers. No. Again, it's, it's just because it just doesn't do all that great. Our weather okay. is just too screwy and everything else, and it just can't get, you know, it just it doesn't perform as well as it does other places. Okay. Well, and the last comment is, I just love the seasons here. I know it was a harsh winter, but... <laughs> It's so you you have to appreciate seasons because you have such a huge variety of plants that you just don't get like in coastal Texas. So, right, that's very right. true. I grew up so, here, but I spent ten years in Southern California. So I mean, there's 
virtually no season there. It's just all one season, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then when I came well, back, you know, I just uh, I deny there's winter. That's why I wear shorts year-round, even if it's 25 below wind chill. I have shorts on because I've refused to believe there's winter. Well, I discovered seasons living seven years in Germany. So, <laughs> I, I, as I said before, I love seasons. So thanks once again for your wonderful program. Well, thank you. Let's head now over to Millstadt. That's where Brian Kelly lives, and maybe Eric's a neighbor of Brian Kelly. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Enjoy your show, too, Mike. Well, thanks. I just had a question. I've had hydrangeas for about 10 years or so. In the last couple of years, they haven't really done too well. Do you think it's time to dig them up and get some different hydrangeas? It's, you know, it's, you know it all depends on variety-wise. You know, how close are they to the house foundation, all those kind of things. And are you fertilizing them? Um, not a lot. Yeah, so probably fertilizing is going to make a big difference on their production-wise. And if they're, you know, if they're really up close to the house foundation, then the foundation leaks uh, alkalinity, saltiness into the soil. That could have an impact on how well they're doing, too. Now, let me ask you this. When the leaves come out, are they full size? Are they regular color and everything else? Yes. So are you pruning them? Um, not very much. Yeah, so that, well, that probably is, you know, a good thing. People over prune them. I would say maybe, you know, get some fertilizer and get some fertilizer for acid-loving plants and follow the label and just fertilize them. See if you can, it's not going to necessarily make them do well this year. Now, another thing I'll ask you too, are they summer bloomers or are they spring bloomers? Summer bloomers. Okay, so... I would get out there and go ahead and start fertilizing virtually now. You know, you don't have to do it now because of the snow and everything else is coming. But for, start fertilizing in, let's say, in the March, April, May, June, and July. Okay. And with a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Okay. Don't prune them or anything right now, though, right? Yeah, just leave them alone. Okay. Leave them alone. And, and uh, what kind of pH should you usually have on that? With the actual soil that the, they're growing in? Uh-huh. Yeah, probably around you know, 5.9 to 6.1, something in that range. Okay, sounds good. So I'll give it a try one more time, put a lot of fertilizer, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, get rid of them. <laughs> Would it be good to plant them in the same place at all or not? Uh, it wouldn't hurt, necessarily. It may be variety-wise as much as anything. So thanks, Eric. Keep, now, keep them. Thank you very much. Yeah. And now let's go to Gene, and Gene is on the road someplace. Hi, Gene. Uh, hi, how are you this morning? Good. Quick question. I'm getting ready to buy six Norway spruces that I'm going to plant in my backyard. And uh, I've got typical clay, Missouri clay. Sure. So I'm going to do my mix of uh, topsoil and compost, throw in some malarganite. But somebody told me that you should also add an acid type of fertilizer or something because these spruces really thrive on acid type soil. Is that true? And if so... Where could I find something like that, I guess? The acid-based fertilizer, you can find any place. But do not okay. fertilize anything that you're installing. Do not do that because okay. the fertilizer might be too, so toxic it could actually burn the new root systems. The main thing to do is blend the soil like you're talking about. Dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only okay. about 80% is deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is going to be above the surrounding ground. And don't right. put them too close together and realize how huge they're actually going to get. But then after one or two years, then think about you, you know fertilizing them. But definitely don't do it during the installation time. That's true and with anything. That even includes malarganite, which is a non-chemical type fertilizer. Right, exactly. I wouldn't put that in the soil. 
Okay, last question. Should I mix some of the clay with the compost and topsoil also? People are telling me to do that also. I absolutely. Mix the native soil. Yeah, okay. you want to you want to blend because the root systems are okay. eventually going to go out beyond where you've dug this three times the diameter of the root ball hole. Okay, okay, that's perfect. Okay, thank you very much for your advice. I appreciate it very much. Yep, great. And Danny from Donaldson, can you do it quickly? Yes, I was told to keep it quick. I was wondering, Mike, if you or any of the listeners have had any experience. I've seen them recently in a magazine. They're an underground watering system made of PVC pipe that you plant uh, or you put in the hole prior to putting the root ball of the tree in, and then you backfill. And then there's two tubes that come up above the topsoil that you can fill with water, and then there's a circular PVC pipe that goes around the root ball, and the theory is it releases the water slowly. Uh, you don't have the runoff and evaporation and such. I mean, you know, it sounds good. The only problem is, depending upon what kind of tree that you're going to be putting in, is a tree, as it grows, the roots that uptake the water are going to be beyond where this pipe is. Initially, for it's like a you know water gator and those other things. So thanks, Danny and Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. A proud partner of the 2018 100 PGA Championship at Bell Reef Country Club. KMOX, KMOX HD, St. Louis. KZK HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.